Well, we are um, in a series, and, and for those of you that worry about these things, we're almost through, all right? We've got another week that uh, I'm going to draw everything to a conclusion in, in a couple of weeks, but t- today we're going to look at, uh, at something that, that may sound a little stark, but I hope you'll understand what I'm saying as, as we get into it. We, our, our series is called Life Choice. We have to make choices in life that affect us. Uh, all throughout our lives, there are certain choices that we make that take us to a place. And, and God has designed us, and He has purposed in our life, every one of us, I believe. I believe He has a specific purpose for us. I believe He has given us specific gifts. I believe He's given us talents. I believe He's given us abilities and capabilities. And, and all of those things. All of those gifts are a part of who we are because He has a purpose for us. He's taking us somewhere. And it's, it's far beyond what we can imagine. Okay? Uh, I know, how many of you dream about doing something great? I do. I, I mean, if you don't, okay, you need to. All right? You need to. But God created us with a desire uh, to accomplish things. I mean, He really did. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, with, the, with that drive that we have to, to see more, to be a part of more, to, to embrace more, especially in our relationship with Jesus. There always is more. Okay, when it comes to Jesus, you just can't get all of him. That's why we're going to spend eternity with him. Have you ever thought about that? It's because we can't comprehend who he is. We can't comprehend all that he is. And so we're going to spend eternity with him. And so uh, we, we need to go after our purpose. We need to accomplish what he's called us to do. And for us to do that, we have to make the right choices. And sometimes we make the wrong choices. Amen? But God is graceful. All right? God is graceful, and, 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 and He'll get us up, He'll blow us off, and He'll get us back into the, the pathway. But uh, our purpose and our destiny comes about as we make life choices. Now, there are a lot of other choices that we make during the day. What we're going to eat for lunch, what we're going to, uh, you know... What, what soft drink we're going to drink. I know none of y'all drink soft drinks, but I do. And there's no doubt what I'm going to drink, so I'm, you know, it's, it's not an issue. Uh, but uh, those kind of choices don't really affect our purpose. All right. Now, some of you might say, well, they kill you sooner than you're supposed to. Well, I trust the Lord to get me where I need to go quick enough. All right? So, but uh, the life choices are, are important. And we've been looking for the last several weeks at one life choice, whether or not we were going to accept religion or we were going to go after relationship. Religion, if I could sum it up in just a few words, uh, when it comes to the Christian faith religion, religion is the things of God, okay? But they're not God. They're, they're signposts that point us toward God. But they're not God. In other words, uh, when you when you're going on a trip, you don't. When you see that first sign that says, uh, you know, Gatlinburg, twenty miles ahead, you don't get out of your car and run over to that sign and hug it and tell it you love it, do you? Because you're not you're not looking for a signpost. You're looking for for the, the Gatlinburg. You're looking for the Smoky Mountains. The same is true in following God. We use the signpost to bring us closer to God. We don't worship them. 
We don't stop at the signpost. We go after God. And so we've been looking at, at, at religion and how it tries to trip us up. And we've been talking as well about relationship with God because Jesus died not to just to forgive us of our sins. He didn't die just to redeem us. He died also to restore us to a relationship with God. Every person on this planet can have a personal relationship. And when I say that, I mean an intimate relationship. You can hear God speak. You can know what God wants to do in your life. You don't have to ask somebody else. God will tell you. I truly believe that. He'll speak to you right out of His Word. He'll speak to you through His Holy Spirit into the, the theater of what I call your mind, literally your spirit. And so relationship is what Jesus wants, and He wants one with all of us. But what happens is too often we get tripped up in religion thinking that it's relationship, and it's not. And so we've talked about different things and different ways that that happens. This morning, I want to talk to you about how to have real life out of death. Real life out of death. And I think you'll, you'll understand what I'm talking about as I, as I get into this. But Jesus came to live among us so that He could die for us. Amen? We, we all know that. He came to live among us so He could die for us. But what Jesus did in His life empowered His death so that His death could give us life. You see, it wasn't just dying on a cross. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of people who died on a cross. It's what Jesus did before He died on the cross that gave Him the ability to be different from any other person that died on that cross. He obeyed God. He completely fulfilled the requirements that God had for us. Every one of them. And so when He died on that cross, His life, the life He had lived before He took His last breath, empowers us to live. I don't think y'all think that's true, but I, I'm going to continue on. And it's through this new life that's given by Jesus that we are called to die to ourselves. Now, that's not very popular, but it's reality. And the reason is so that in dying, Jesus can live through us. See, Jesus just doesn't save us to give us tickets to heaven. Jesus saves us so that He can live in us and live through us. And as we understand the gospel message, that message changes the way we think. And as our thinking changes, Jesus is able to, to come out of us, to get out of us, to live through us. And all of a sudden, it becomes... Christ in me instead of just me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever done something that you thought, man, that wasn't me. That was, that was God. That was a God thing. Have you ever said something that just, you opened your mouth and what you thought you were going to say didn't come out, but something else came out and you thought, oh, wow. Well, see, God's not just trying to use our mouth. God wants to use the way we act. He wants to use our attitudes. He wants to use all of us. But He has to renew those things. He has to, he has to cleanse those things. And He does that by, by changing the way we think. And as we die to ourselves, Jesus comes alive through us. Genuine relationship always seeks to die so that the one you love 
the object of your love, can experience a deeper level of life. It's, it's through dying, folks, that we live. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about physical stuff this morning, okay? Everybody in this room understands that the moment you were born, when, when your mother gave birth to you, you begin a process of dying. Amen? Okay, that's just reality. That's the way the natural works. But that's not the way God works. You see, when God gives us new life, when we are born again, literally when we are born from above, we begin a life that's not just abundant, it's also eternal. You see, eternal life doesn't start when we get to heaven. Eternal life starts the moment we come into relationship with God. That might be for some people at six, seven, eight years of age. For others of us, it, it might have been later in life. That's when eternal life starts. We don't start marking off the days once we die. We start counting the time once we come to know Jesus. And so, as we die, spiritually speaking, and, 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 and attitudinally speaking, we really live that constant, consistent characteristic of a relationship with Jesus is always about giving. My job as a human being who knows Jesus Christ is to give myself to Him, all of me, every day. It's an everyday kind of a thing. It, you don't just do it once. You understand what I'm saying? I gave ownership to Him once, but I have to remind myself I don't belong to me. I'm not the boss. Any of you ever have to remind yourself you're not the boss? I have to do it all the time. I have to do it around here. Nelson, you're not the boss. Yeah, here's the voice I hear. But everybody thinks you are. I'm not. I'm not the boss. I'm just a shepherd, okay? I'm an under-shepherd, to get the, the term correct. I'm an under-shepherd. I'm not the boss. And neither are you. Jesus is our boss. He's in charge. And so he, we have to give ourselves to Him day by day. He gives us life through His death, but we give Him our lives so that, 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 that He might live through us. You see the exchange? I surrender so that He can come forth. And, that, and we see that all through the Scriptures. Perhaps the greatest difference between religion and relationship is this aspect of death. Ultimately, religion, you know what religion's all about? Everybody can do this. It's about me. It's not about Jesus. Oh, you can paint His name on the side of it and put a flashing light and a sign out there, but if it's religion, it's not about Jesus. It's about us. It's about me. It's about doing it my way. Y'all know that old Frank Sinatra song? I did it my way. It sounds good. It's just not true. Okay? It's, it's not. We don't do it our way. Uh, we, we're supposed to do it His way. And religion doesn't ask you to die. Okay? In fact, it encourages you to stay alive at all costs. And, and religion, it provides a lot of ways to, for you to do that, except here's the bottom line. None of them really work. I mean, for those of you that have tried religion, 
And you know what I'm talking about. I, I tried religion. I tried to do this and this and this and keep this rule and this rule and this rule and read so much of this and pray this long and all of those things. But you know what? The only thing that happened to me was that I got worn down. I got discouraged. I got depressed. I, I, I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. Can I just tell you something? If, if you want to quit right now, what you've got is not relationship with Jesus. Okay? It's religion. It's religion. Because religion will wear you out. It's, it's not about dying. Death is what separates relationship from religion. And a true relationship with Jesus Christ, here's the, here's the bottom line, it demands the cross. And the cross was an instrument of death. All right, now we've glamorized it. We put it on our buildings. We wear them around our neck. We put them on our, 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 our uh, T-shirts. And, and we've made it a symbol of our faith. And, 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 and it's fine. It's rightly so. But here's the reality. It was a symbol of death. How many of you know what the yellow mama is? That's the electric chair. That's what they call the electric chair in Alabama. We don't wear that on our T-shirts, do we? We don't put them on our buildings, do we? Can I just tell you something? A cross on a chain or on a building would have made you feel just like you felt when I said that to those first century people of the world. When they saw the cross, you know what they saw? They saw a horrible death. But Jesus calls us to die. That's what the cross is. He calls us to die. Death is what separates relationship from religion. There's a, 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 something Jesus says over and over and over in the Gospels. In fact, when He makes this demand about the cross, He says it six times in the first three Gospels. He says this, if anyone wishes to come after me, and to come after Jesus was, if, if you listen to what he said, was to live abundantly and to live eternally. So if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, let her deny herself and take up his or her cross and follow me. In other words, our life is, is, is what Jesus is saying is our life, in our life, we must be willing to die. Self has to be crucified. Now, how many of you know self is slippery? Any of y'all struggle with killing self? I do. When I think he's nailed up there, you know what he does? Slides right off. Tries to take control again. It's like, you know, it's like jello or water, trying to, to grab water. And so Jesus says, if anyone wishes to follow after me, let him or her deny themselves and take up his or her cross and follow me. But religion is willing to accept any other way than the cross. That's why it sounds so good. How many of you want to die? No, 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 okay, a few of you do, but most of you don't. I mean physically right now. I got I to gotta get physically and, and, you know, none of us want to die physically. And that, that goes even deeper when we start talking about spiritually. But apart from Jesus, apart from Jesus, the Bible declares something to us. It says that unequivocally you and I were dead 
in our trespasses and sins. So we're, we're already dead without Jesus. That means what? It means we're separated from God. It means there's a chasm. There, there's a, there's a, a canyon between us that we can't cross. I can't build a bridge across it. I can't put a jetpack on my back and, and zip across it. I can't take a plane across a helicopter. I can't get across it. That chasm is uncrossable for me. It means we're separated from God and we're separated apart from Jesus by our trespasses and our sin without any hope of being able to bridge that gap or to find a way back. Romans 3.23 states this. It says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all infected with sin. Amen? All of us. There's no exceptions. In the, and the definitive result of that infection is this. It kills us. It kills us. Romans 6.23 declares, For the wages of of sin is death. Therefore, when we're born into this world, we are born spiritually dead. We're separated from God. We don't ever have to commit a sin. We're already dead. See, Adam's sin was imputed to us. That the disease that, that, that he unleashed infects all of us. But don't blame Adam, okay? Because if we're left on our own Long enough, we add to it day by day. Amen? Amen. You don't have to owe me. You can say owe me if you want to. And that's exactly when Jesus met with Nicodemus. Sometimes we don't realize Nicodemus was the greatest teacher in all of Israel. He was the Ph.D. of Ph.D.'s. He had the biggest chair in the university. He was the one everybody came to for answers. But he goes to Jesus to get an answer. Because he's heard Jesus. And it's blown his mind. And Jesus says this to Nicodemus. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, one is born literally from above. He or she cannot see the kingdom of God. That's John 3.13. Therefore, uh, to have an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, it requires that Jesus do something for, for you and me that we can't do for ourselves. Religion says don't do this, do this, don't do that, do this and this. Uh, just do something and don't stop doing it. That's what religious tells us. And you know what? If you'll do these things, you'll be fine. You know what relationship with Jesus says? Stop doing. Trust me. Take a deep breath and die. Now, I know we're just not bent that way naturally, right? Think about that. We're going to do everything we can to keep from dying. And yet Jesus says, hey, I've done everything. Just go ahead and take a deep breath and die. And let me live through you. But most of us are uncomfortable with death, whether it's physical or spiritual. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it, much less willingly participate in it. Yet Jesus calls us to die. One of the reasons that, uh, that we don't 
want to die to ourselves is because we're convinced that we can somehow do it ourselves regardless of what God says. You ever thought about that? I know what Scripture says, Pastor, but, but, but I'll figure out a way. Well, there have been many before you who have tried to figure that way out, and none have. And there will be many after you who try to figure it out, but they won't either. Jesus didn't figure it out. Jesus came to die, to give us a way out. Jesus said this in John 14, I am the way. Not a way. That little article makes the whole difference. I am the way. The truth. The life. Nobody, no man, no woman, nobody comes to the Father except through or by me. I'm the door. There's no other door. This ain't Monty Hall and let's make a deal. Pick one. There's one door. And if you're too young to know who Monty Hall is and let's make a deal... Google it, okay? Google it. But Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the truth. You won't do it yourselves. How many of you have ever had a garden? And by that, listen, I, I don't necessarily mean one with rows. If you've had a pot with something in it, you're gardening, okay? I grew up, my dad gardened enough for everybody within the state, Okay? And he didn't want to leave any of it on the vine, so we had to pick all of it. Whether it went to waste or not, it wasn't going to waste in the field. So I grew up with, with big gardens. But how many of you have ever gardened? How many of you like fresh tomatoes? Do y'all realize that tomatoes in the grocery store don't taste like tomatoes out of the garden? Amen? Amen. And there's one thing I've said this morning that's excited you, okay? And that's true. How many of you like fresh corn, fresh peas, and those kind of things? But you know what? For us to enjoy the bounty of a garden, something has to die, and something has to be buried. We don't just walk out there and listen. I've tried this and waved my hands over the ground or whatever, and it just pops up. You know, there's certain things that have to take place. We don't wave our hands, and voila, we have ripe, juicy, red tomatoes. No, that tomato seed has to die. It has to be extracted from that fruit. It has to be dried out. And then it has to be, it has to be uh, planted and buried in soil. And ultimately with water and the warmth that, uh, that the sun generates, it generates that, that, that tomato seed and a plant forms. And then that plant comes up and ultimately it produces fruit. Listen, death is not a life giver. Okay, I want you to understand that. Death is not a life giver. Jesus gave us life. By dying for us. Alright? Somebody had to die. He pushed us out of the way and died for us. So death is not a life giver, but rather the soil from which God produces life. It's out of that, that soil of death that, that life is produced. It's out of that medium of hopelessness that God chooses to do the impossible. That's the exact terminology that Jesus used with His disciples just before He was crucified. He said this, He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. 
Listen, religion does not want you to remain by yourself alone. Okay. It doesn't desire that. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls in the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. Now this is Jesus talking. This is not me. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world shall keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, let him, let her follow me. And where I am, there my servants will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him or he will honor her. John 12, 24 through 26. Jesus is clear about what he's saying here. He's, he's, he's telling his disciples, I'm about to die. So that out of my death, I can produce life in you. And if you're willing to live, then, then you must die. You see, there's an exchange. I can't have the life of Jesus and enjoy it and remain in my own old way of doing things. In other words, stay alive. For me to take His life, my life has got to go. Does that make sense? I've got to give up what I want to embrace what He wants. And literally, who He is. Okay? Jesus is saying, you know what? You have to imitate Me. And nothing has changed. We have to imitate Jesus. One seed, dead and buried in the ground, has the potential of reproducing an almost infinite number of seeds with the same potential. Jesus refers to wheat here. For the last few years, I've had the opportunity to go to Kansas in November to, to go pheasant hunting and to go quail hunting. Now that sounds really romantic, but it's a whole lot of walking through heavy grass, okay? And the wind blows out there all the time and it's cold as a rip, all right? So there's a lot of work in killing those birds. And, and if you, that bothers you, listen, I haven't come close to the limit, so I've shot a lot of shells. But there's something, we, we hunt in the wheat fields and we hunt in... Uh, in other grain fields, but I, I, I got to looking at wheat. It's, it's interesting about wheat. One kernel of wheat will average, on average, produce five heads of grain on a wheat stalk. Okay, and of those, and those five heads of grain, uh, there are twenty-two kernels. So basically, the plant produces one hundred and ten kernels. One plant. You take those hundred and ten kernels and you replant them. And you get 12,100 kernels per plant. See the increase? Oh, it, it, it multiplies significantly now. You plant those 1,200, uh, 12,100, and you get 146,410,000 kernels. And I'm not really good in math, so I stop there because what happens is millions become billions. You see, that's how Jesus works. When I lay down and die to accept who He wants to be through me, He does more than through me than I could ever have done in a thousand lifetimes. And He does it sometimes in a moment. I've seen that happen. I've seen... I, I, I've seen things take place in, in the life of other believers and in my own life and in some of your lives that, that were astounding that we could never have accomplished had we just done it on our own. So Jesus calls us to die. 
Jesus gives us life through His death. But we can only embrace those new levels of life moment by moment. Because that dying process is moment by moment. The only way we can do it is moment by moment. We, 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 we die to what we want to gain what He wants to give us. John the Baptist. I don't know if you've ever realized this or not, if you've really paid close attention to Scripture. But if put it in today's terms. John the Baptist was by religious standards a rock star. Y'all understand what I'm saying? John was a personality. Gigantic crowds showed up to see John. Everybody knew who John the Baptist was. He was a rock star in his day. And he said this, he, and he was talking about Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must live, I must die. John had everything. I mean, he had the crowds. He had the adulation. Even the priests in Jerusalem, when Jesus asked them about John the Baptist, they were afraid to answer because if they answered wrongly, they would be condemned either way. If they said, well, you know, he, 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 was, he was preaching the righteousness of God, then Jesus would have said, well, then why didn't you obey him? But if he said, you know what, he wasn't preaching the righteousness of God, they were afraid the people would stone them. So they didn't answer anything. They recognized who John was. John was saying, I must manifest Jesus by disappearing. I'm not the most important person any longer. My needs are not the most important needs for the day. It's got to be Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus at Walmart, Jesus at the work, Jesus at school. It's not what I want, it's what does Jesus want? What would Jesus, you remember the bracelets and the, and the little book, what would Jesus do? It's a good question. But if we'll go ahead and get the dying over, we won't even have to ask, we'll just know what Jesus would do. See, it's, a lot of us ask that question and we don't do anything with the answer. Jesus has called us to die so that He can live through us. Listen, this is the guy who was at the top of his game. He was a celebrity. He goes from a celebrity to a table decoration on a silver platter. His head was severed because he would not be quiet about what was right and wrong. His head was, was severed. And this is what Jesus said about John. He says, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. You want to know who the greatest prophet of the Old Testament was? It's John the Baptist. And then he says this, if that's not enough in Matthew eleven eleven, In Matthew eleven fourteen, he says, And he himself is the Elijah who was to come. Scripture taught that Elijah would return. You remember Elijah did not die. 
Okay, I'm not saying Elijah and was John reincarnated. That's not what I'm saying. He represented Elijah. And they believed, their belief was that Elijah would return before the Messiah came. And what Jesus is saying is that the Elijah figure has come. I'm the Messiah. That's what he's saying there. But most of us just don't get it. If I want to live at the level of Jesus then I have to, to die so that I can attain that level. If I want to live at the level of life Jesus died to give me, I have to die so Jesus can live through me, His life through me. I have to get out of the way. Most of us are our own worst enemy, amen? I am especially my worst enemy. I'm a stumbler and a bumbler, okay? If you don't think so... Just ask somebody that knows me, okay? I'm going to leave it at that. I stumble, I bumble. Sometimes I'm my worst enemy. Sometimes I say things before I think through what I'm saying. Sometimes I do things without even thinking about what I'm doing and then realize I shouldn't have done this. I have an example in my mind, but I'm just not going to share it today, okay? I got lots of them. But I have to get out of the way. I have to give up all those things I think I want or I think I need. You know what? I have to quit whining and complaining about how tough it is to anybody to listen to me. I have to decrease that Jesus might increase. I, I have to die. I have to dis, disappear and I have to become Jesus. What, what's left in, in I's place has to become Jesus. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Philippians 1.21. He says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, Paul meant that literally, and he meant it figuratively. Paul was not worried about physically dying. If, I physically, if you chop my head off, who cares? I'm going to Jesus. But if you don't chop my head off, guess what? Jesus is going to live through me. I'm going to share the gospel with somebody else. So he meant it. He meant it literally. But he also meant it figuratively. You know what? I have to die. And if I live, Christ is going to live through me. I, I, I died out there in the desert that day when, when he knocked me off the horse. And when Ananias laid his hands on me, Paul died. And Paul continued to die day by day by day. And at the, near the end of his life, he writes these words, I, I am the chief of sinners. You know what? He had died to the place where he saw himself as the worst of the worst. Now, most of us don't see ourselves like that, do we? I'm not that bad. Well, you'll have to take that up with God. He goes on to say in Philippians 3, in chapter, verse 8 through uh, 10. He says, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing. And that word knowing there literally means to personally, personally experience Jesus. He, he's saying, I, 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 you know what? I count everything else that, that I've achieved in my life, all the degrees I've got, all, all the religious standing I had as a Pharisee, all those, that study I, I, I had with, with this teacher and that teacher and how I rose in, in my group, I count all that a loss. It's a loss 
in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. In other words, it cost Paul some things. But you know what? Nobody took those things away from him. He turned his back on them and said, you know what? Compared to this, these things don't come close. I would rather have this than this. For whom I have suffered loss of all things and count them but rubbish. That's a nice translation for the real Greek word there. You know what the real Greek word there is? Dung. If you don't know what dung is, look it up. Okay, that's as far as I can go with that word there. <laughs> that I count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own. In other words, religion says you can be righteous. That's not what Paul says. That's not what God says. He says, I didn't have any righteousness of my own derived from the law, from, from keeping religious rules and regulations, but that which is through faith in Christ. In other words, I died to all this stuff and I accepted what only Jesus could give me. You say, that's too good to be true. That's how it works. The gospel is too good to be true, but it is true. He says, which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him, that I may experience Him. We're talking about the God who is, you couldn't even go into His presence. That there were, in the temple, when His presence was, was resting in the temple, there were curtains, not just one, there were many curtains. Everybody came to the first curtain. And guess what? If you were a Gentile, which all of us are, that's as far as you could go. We went to the next. There was another curtain. All the ladies stopped there. The men went through the next one. Then they got to a curtain, and guess what? Only the priest could go behind that. And then there's another curtain, and only the high priest could go behind that. So the presence of God was not accessible. But because of faith in Christ... Just faith in Christ. I can know Him. And not just know Him, but I can know the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death. That means a whole lot. But one thing it means is that if I know Him, and I've been conformed uh, to His death, and I've, I've, in, I've embraced the fellowship of His surf, suffering, the power of sin in my life is dead. Dead. Graveyard dead. Then if that's not enough, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul kind of drives this nail home. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered Himself up for me. In other words, Jesus died in my place. Therefore, Jesus now lives through me because when He died in my place, I died. It's not that we have to put ourselves to death. We're already dead. 
We just need to get out of the way and let Jesus live through us. So for you and me to ever experience the life that Jesus has for us, we have to, the one he died to give us, we have to die to ourselves. That seed has to fall into the ground and the life of Jesus has to spring up. But what religion really whispers and it really teaches is this, folks. You don't need Jesus. That's the ultimate lie of religion. You don't really need Jesus. You need to pay attention to the things of Jesus. Listen, instead of paying attention to the things of Jesus, we need to listen to Jesus. We need to look to Jesus and we need to go after Jesus. Religion says if you'll just do the things of Jesus, and if you'll do them long enough and hard enough and well enough, you will live in a real relationship with, with the Savior. And, and, and Jesus says something else completely. He just gives us one word. Die. Just die. I'll raise you up. I'll make you alive. I'll put my Holy Spirit in you who will be your energy source. He will take care of telling you which way to step, which, what word to say. He will give you the power that you need at the very moment you need it. Stop worrying. Stop being anxious. Stop fretting. But you've got to die. Because if you won't die, nothing's going to come out of you except, guess what? You. If you and I are willing to die, Jesus will make us come alive. See, I think that's what He's doing in this church. I guarantee you that's what He's doing in me. He's killing me. Alright, I'm just telling you He is. And there are parts of me that are dying hard. Alright, y'all know what I'm talking about? He's put His foot metaphorically speaking, okay, on my throat, and he won't get it off. And I'm squirming like a snake. All right? Y'all know, know what that picture looks like. All right? And so are you. What Jesus is saying today to us is, quit squirming. Just be still. I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to help you be a good husband. I'm going to help you be a good wife. I'm going to make you a great employee. I'm going to make you a witness. Stop worrying about the verses you don't know. Stop worrying about the fact that you get nervous and tongue-tied. I'm going to take care of that. Stop getting discouraged because when you pray for somebody to be healed, they don't get healed. That's my job. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? All that stuff we struggle with, Jesus is saying, just die to it and let me work through you. Let me close with, with these words and we're going to be done this morning. Paul writes these words to the believers that were in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, he says this, For the love of Christ controls us. The picture that comes into my mind when I read that is of a glove. How many of you have ever worn a glove? You know what I'm talking about. You know, a glove can do nothing by itself. It just lays there. And it'll lay there 
till Jesus comes back if somebody doesn't pick it up. But when you put your hand in that glove, you can't see your hand anymore. But that glove becomes animated. It begins to move. And it does exactly what your hand would do. That's because your hand's in it. It's empowering it. That's what Jesus does in us through the Holy Spirit. We're like a glove. And when the Holy Spirit indwells us and lives in us, all of a sudden, if we'll just allow it, we'll just relax and just be a glove, guess what? He'll do what He needs to do. He'll pick up what He needs to pick up. He'll give what He needs to give. He says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, that, that they who live should no li- longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. It is all the way through the New Testament what I'm trying to share this morning. For us to live, we have to die. We have to allow Jesus to come through us. Every day, every moment, every one of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we have to make a life choice to die. I promise you, before you get to your car, you will have to make a, a, a choice about this. Am I going to say what I want to say to that person? They always take their time through the door. I got to go. Don't they know I got a place to go? I got things to do. Uh, I can't believe they're pulling out in front of me. I'm going to have to follow them all the way to the restaurant. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You're going to get a chance. You're going to get a chance to make that choice. See, if we don't make that life choice, Moment by moment, we embrace a religion about Jesus. We look good, but we're just an empty glove. But if we do make that choice, we experience a relationship with Jesus. And you start cobbling together those moments, and all of a sudden you have a lifetime of where Jesus worked in me, and through me, and on me, and to me. Folks, we've got to die. That's it. The invitation is come and die. That's, that's the message of the cross. Come and die. Not come and get one and wear it around your neck so everybody can see it. Not put it on. But it's okay if you do that. Listen, i got one on my neck right now, all right? But it's okay if you put one on your windshield. But that doesn't make you dead. That doesn't make you a believer whom Jesus works through. I don't care what your tag says. I don't care what your Facebook page says. I don't care unless I am daily dying and allowing Jesus to come through me. Then I'm not a very good representation of who Jesus is. Jesus can do far more through me than I can do through me. Amen. In fact, if I just give Him the glove, He'll take care of things. I just have to think right. And see, that's what the Gospel does. It doesn't just save you. It changes the way you think. 
See, the gospel is not that just Jesus died on a cross to redeem us from our sins. Jesus died on a cross so that He could live through us as well. That's part of the gospel. It has to renew this mind. So this morning, the simple life choice out of, out of this message, I would say, is die. Yeah, preacher, but. There's no buts here. It's just die. Yeah, but I, I always like a couple options. There's no other option here. It's just die. Jesus says, come and die. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.